Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
Uh-huh, I sure will. Good morning, everybody. You are listening to The Voice. Come on, dig me now. One and only Steve Harvey got a radio show. <laughs> yeah, man, Steve Harvey got a radio show. Trying to do something with it, too, man. Uh, you know, um, I was having a conversation the other day uh, with a young person, and they were telling me how they felt that their life was stuck, that their life was in a rut that they uh, didn't know what to do next. And one of the things that was causing them uh, this sadness or this depression, I mean, they're really, really into something right now. One of the things that was causing it um, was the fact that um, they had made a list of things they wanted to accomplish by a certain age. And uh, that age, they just had a birthday recently and um, they were looking at the list and the list hadn't been fulfilled. And because that list hadn't been fulfilled, um, they were really, really sad about it. You know, um, one of the things that they had on the list was marriage, kids. And I don't know everything else that was on the list, but that was one of them. And because she had reached a certain age and she wasn't married and she didn't have the kids and she had just celebrated her birthday, she's gone into this uh, mode of sadness where it's really, really uh, taken a toll on her. And uh, as, as I was learning about her situation, uh, I was thinking about it. And I just wanted to share this with you all this morning that, um, see, one of the things about making a list about what you want, which I happen to be a proponent of, I, I do it myself. I have a, people have dream boards. I, ha, I have a goal sheet. I have, I've been doing it for years. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful way uh, to set goals and to keep it in front of you as a constant reminder. And I always go over this goal list every day. You know, I mean, I, I go over it all the time, every day. Sometimes I miss a day here and there, but but it, mostly every day I pull my goal sheet out and I look at it, I read it. So I was going to these rallies and I was learning about, um, you know, uh, people who were successful and how they kept their mind right and positive. And one of the things I learned was to make these dream boards, these lists, these goal sheets, and um, in making a goal sheet, and you make the sheet according to what you want, think about one thing. When you made your goal sheet about what you wanted, does your goal sheet have on it what God wants from you? Did you ask in any of this what was his will in your life? You know, look, man, what we want oftentimes is, 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 is not what he wants for us. And you know, if if you're fighting against what you were created for, if you're fighting against his will, I mean, what do you want to happen? See, don't be so hard on yourself when you look at your goal sheet and you look at what you've not become, what you thought was a great idea. Don't be so hard on yourself because you just made a minor mistake, as do most people. We oftentimes make our goals and set our goals up without ever considering what is it that God wants from us. 
What's in his will? What's his plan for us? You know, I was talking to some people the other day, and we were laughing about it. I shared this the other day. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. I mean, really, if you really want to crack God up, tell him your plan. See, and that's what we do. We make our plans without including God. But listen to me. Don't be so hard on yourself. Don't be so down and out about it when you look at your goal sheet and you haven't accomplished the things you wanted to accomplish. You just made a minor mistake, that's all, and you can correct it. You just made a mistake that most people make. We keep talking about what we want without ever finding out or knowing what it is God wants for us. Well, guess what, man? Maybe you're fighting against the grain. Maybe you're just a salmon heading upstream. That's a tough fight upstream. Not all salmons get up to the spawning grounds, you know. Some of them don't make it upstream, you know. But all of them, ne- nearly all of them, except the ones that's killed by prey, when they're spawned, they go out to the ocean. That's cool because you're going, because you're going with the grain, you're going downstream, you're going with the flow. That's but but when it's time to go against the grain, it's tough. And a lot of us have just been going against the grain for all of these years. But you know what? Listen, man, I did it. I know a lot of people who did it. Very few people get it right from the very beginning. Man, you got to stumble through life sometimes. Sometimes you got to fall through life. You got to make a lot of mistakes, man. But these mistakes are not failures. You know, when you fail at something, don't look at it as a failure. Don't look at yourself as a failure because you're 30 and and your goals ain't reached that you had on your list. That was your list. What about the things that's going right? Stop looking at what you're not. Take some time out and thank God for what you are. How about the fact that you keep waking up to be 30? You know, you get depressed about these birthdays. You really want to throw yourself in some depression. Miss a birthday. You really got a problem now. Look at where you are. You keep reaching birthdays. That's a glorious blessing. You keep waking up. You got your health. You've accomplished something. Something on your list is done. People spend too much time on the negative side, and you're just throwing yourself into depression. So what, you wanted to be married by a certain age, and you wanted to have kids. Okay, cool. You could have done all that with the wrong person. There's a blessing in not being married to the wrong person. There's a blessing in not having kids and nobody to help you raise them. There's a blessing in that, man. You're talking to somebody who can tell it to you. You can marry the wrong person if you want to. I'm telling you, you're going to be up in some mess you can't count on. So instead of being angry because you're not married, you don't have kids, why don't you thank God the man? Maybe he spared you from some misery here. Maybe you could have married the wrong person. Maybe you'd have kids and you're not really ready to be a mother or a father. You got to look at the upside, man. Quit looking at what you don't have. Take some time to thank God for what you do have. When you do that, you make more room for blessings to flow into your life. I'm not saying how God thinks because I really don't know, but I'm telling you, if a person comes to me and I always give a person something and they never appear grateful or they never say thank you, please know you can quit coming to me. Now, I don't know that's how God works because I've gone back to him several times without being grateful or thanking him and he's filled my basket up again, so... I really think he's not like that, but I can't make the call for sure. But I think at one point in time, me, just just me talking, I'd be a little ticked off at somebody who was always taking, taking, taking and never showing any gratitude. At one point in time, I would just stop the flow of the take. You know, you just you can't take no more from me. That's what I would do. 
Now, I'm not calling it like that because I ain't him. But I know he's merciful. He's full of goodness, and, he, and, he, and he'll forgive you. Again. And thank God he does that because he's sure enough done it for me. But wow, man, take some time out today and be grateful for what you have. Stop complaining about where you're not and think about where you are and then take it from there. And the next time you make a list, make sure on that list you have God's will. What does he want for you? God create give everybody a gift and a talent. Some of us never apply gifts and talents. We head off in another direction. Then you wonder why your life ain't where it's supposed to be. Have you ever thought about what God gifted you to do? Have you ever thought about doing that? Skip, skip what you want. I wanted to play in the NBA, but I got to tell you something. At dribbling and shooting and running all at one time, it's throwing me off a little bit. You know, they just, so I'm doing what I do. It's pretty cool. You can look at it that way, okay? You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Ladies and gentlemen, the show that you're about to hear today is different because today is MLK Day. Yes, sir. It Martin is. Luther King National Holiday. Yes. Sir. In recognition of one of the greatest leaders of our time in American history. Yeah. I personally can think of no person for me personally who has had a greater impact on my life as a man outside of my father and the way he raised me than Martin Luther King. Mm. I think his contribution to this country is one of the greatest greatest contributions made by a man in American fabric, the fiber of this country. I think Martin Luther King had more to do to shape it today than anyone in my lifetime, I should Mm -hmm. say. What a man. Profound mm-hmm. state, what a yeah. man. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, for me, I don't yeah. know anyone who's made a more major contribution in the way America is today than Martin Luther King. That's to take nothing away from no one else. And it so lives on. It lives today. on. Yeah. Good, Steve. Good. We're doing good. Yeah. Great. I'm Happy MLK good. Day you to know. you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a day of it's service. It's a day of service. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not just a day off, y'all. Mm-hmm. We're going to do some community service today. Well, a lot of people got their pits getting hot right now. You know that, don't you? <laughs> I'm just saying. But I know that ain't what it's about, but yeah. I'm just saying a lot of pits is being warmed up right Clear now. Clear about these wings. Pissed. That's the service. <laughs> Junior, that, that was some black people I know doing. <laughs> what are they doing, Junior? Serving wings, whiskey, chicken, <laughs> sausage. <laughs> Lemon pepper, barbecue, yeah. garlic. Burgers. Hot dogs. Water pork. Yeah. <laughs> Hot links. Because it is a holiday. Yeah. Yeah. But after, 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 yeah. after you serve mm-hmm. community, it's all right. 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 Steve, remember when we were um we did the show from LA and we used to do the MLK parade. Oh, what? You what? remember that? Team Day? Oh yeah, we used to write Steve sometimes would be the Grand Marshal. Until Junior every he Monday. got off the float to go talk to somebody that just well, went to him wrong. Oh, no, the dude was giving me the finger. Huh? For about a half a block on the uh on, on the float. Because you know the float goes by slowly, yeah, so yeah. You, yeah. you you can run along. Yeah, yeah. so right. far. You get a, a finger a long block. time. Mm-hmm. He just giving me the finger. I got tired of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you couldn't I ignore had, him? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> stop my, I ain't ignoring nobody. I stopped my float and got down and went over there. Honoring a man of peace, a nonviolent man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. He gets off the float, Junior. <laughs> it's funny. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Well, hey, that is Martin Luther King Day. It's not Steve Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> That's I didn't Wednesday. know he was That's off the float about three minutes oh later. Oh, my God. We were like, where's Steve? <laughs> oh, my God, Steve. No, I'm tripping oh, on that. But you're going to follow me and just flee the yeah. whole parade? Yeah. No, no, you're not, dog. Yeah. No, you're not. No, I'm going to come down there and see what you want. <laughs> it was interesting, Carla, to say the least. It was interesting. It was a good day. Mm, yeah. It was a wonderful day. Yeah, happy MLK yeah. Day to yeah, everyone. Well, all right, happy MLK. <laughs> I'm going to write that down for my favorite story. <laughs> We're celebrating the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. all day today. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Right now, here's the drum major instinct speech on the Steve Harvey Morning Show. An instinct. It's a kind of drum major instinct. A desire to be out front. A desire to lead the parade. A desire to be first and it is something that runs a whole gamut of life and so before we condemn them let us see that we all have the drum major instinct we all want to be important to surpass others to achieve distinction to lead the parade. Alfred Adler, the great uh, psychoanalyst, contends that this is the dominant impulse. Sigmund Freud used to contend that sex was the dominant impulse, and Adler came with a new argument saying that this quest for recognition, this desire for attention, this desire for distinction, is the basic impulse, the basic drive of human, human life, this drum major instinct. And you know, we begin early to ask life to put us first. Our first cry as a baby was a bid for attention. And all through childhood, the drum major impulse or instinct is a major obsession. Children ask life to grant them first place. They are a little bundle of ego. They have innately the drum major instinct. Now, in adult life, we still have it, and we really never get by it. We like to do something good. And you know, we like to be praised for it. Now, if you don't believe that, you just go on living life and you will discover very soon that you like to be praised. Everybody likes it as a matter of fact. And somehow this warm glow we feel when we are praised or when our name is in print is something of the vitamin A to our ego. Nobody is unhappy when they are praised, even if they know they don't deserve it, and even if they don't believe it. The only unhappy people about praise is when that praise is going too much towards somebody else. But everybody 
likes to be praised because of this real drum major instinct. Do you know that a lot of the race problem grows out of the drum major instinct, a need that some people have to feel superior, a need that some people have to feel that they are first and to feel that their white skin ordained them to be first. They have said over and over again, in ways that we see with our own eyes. In fact, not too long ago, a man down in Mississippi said that God was a charter member of the White Citizens Council. And so, God being the charter member means that everybody who's in that has a, a kind of divinity, a kind of superiority. And think of what has happened in history as a, as a result of this perverted use of the drum major instinct. It's led to the most tragic prejudice, the most tragic expressions of man's inhumanity to man. I mean, not only does this thing go into the racial struggle, it goes into the struggle between nations. And I would submit to you this morning that what is wrong in the world today is that the nations of the world are engaged in a bitter, colossal contest for supremacy. And if something doesn't happen to stop this trend, I'm sorely afraid that we won't be here to talk about Jesus Christ and about God and about brotherhood too many more years. If somebody doesn't bring an end to this suicidal thrust that we see in the world today, none of us are going to be around because somebody's going to make the mistake through our senseless blunderings of dropping a nuclear bomb somewhere and then another one is going to drop and don't let anybody fool you. This can happen within a matter of seconds. They have 20 megaton bombs in Russia right now that can destroy a city as big as New York in three seconds with everybody wiped away in every building. And we can do the same thing to Russia and China. But this is why we are drifting, and we are drifting there because nations are caught up with the drum major instinct. I must be first. I must be supreme. Our nation must rule the world. And I am sad to say that the nation in which we live is the supreme culprit. And I'm going to continue to say it to America because I love this country too much to see the drift that it has taken. God didn't call America to do what she's doing in the world now. God didn't call America to engage in a senseless, unjust war as a war in Vietnam. And we are criminals in that war. We've committed more war crimes almost than any nation in the world. And I'm going to continue to say it. And we won't stop it because of our pride and our arrogance as a nation. But God has a way of even putting nations in their place. The God that I worship has a way of saying, don't play with me. He has a way of saying, as the God of the Old Testament used to say, to the Hebrews, don't play with me, Israel. 
left me, Babylon. Be still and know that I'm God. And if you don't stop your reckless course, I'll rise up and break the backbone of your power. And that can happen to America. Every now and then I go back and read Gibbon's decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And when I come and look at America, I say to myself, the parallels are frightening. We'll be right back, y'all. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Welcome back to the ride. We will continue with more of Dr. King's The Drum Major Instinct speech. Nobody is unhappy when they are praised, even if they know they don't deserve it, and even if they don't believe it. The only unhappy people about praise is when that praise is going too much towards somebody else. But everybody likes to be praised because of this real drum major instinct. Do you know that a lot of the race problem grows out of the drum major instinct? A need that some people have to feel superior. A need that some people have to feel that they are first and to feel that their white skin ordained them to be first. They have said over and over again, in ways that we see with our own eyes. In fact, not too long ago, a man down in Mississippi said that God was a charter member of the White Citizens Council. And so, God being the charter member means that everybody who's in that has a a kind of divinity, a kind of superiority. And think of what has happened in history as as a result of this perverted use of the drum major instinct. It's led to the most tragic prejudice, the most tragic expressions of man's inhumanity to man. I mean, not only does this thing go into the racial struggle, it goes into the struggle between nations. And I would submit to you this morning that what is wrong in the world today is that the nations of the world are engaged in a bitter, colossal contest for supremacy. And if something doesn't happen to stop this trend, I'm sorely afraid that we won't be here to talk about Jesus Christ and about God and about brotherhood too many more years. If somebody doesn't bring an end to this suicidal thrust that we see in the world today, none of us are going to be around because some Body's going to make the mistake through our senseless blunderings of dropping a nuclear bomb somewhere, and then another one is going to drop. And don't let anybody fool you. This can happen within a matter of seconds. They have 20 megaton bombs in Russia right now that can destroy a city as big as New York in three seconds with everybody wiped away in every building. And we can do the same thing to Russia and China. But this is where we are drifting. And we are drifting there because nations are caught up with the drum major instinct. I must be first. I must be supreme. Our nation must rule the world. And I am sad to say 
that the nation in which we live is the supreme culprit. And I'm going to continue to say it to America because I love this country too much to see the drift that it has taken. God didn't call America to do what she's doing in the world now. God didn't call America to engage in a senseless, unjust war as a war in Vietnam. And we are criminals in that war. We've committed more war crimes almost than any nation in the world. And I'm going to continue to say it. And we won't stop it because of our pride and our arrogance as a nation. But God has a way of even putting nations in their place. The God that I worship has a way of saying, don't play with me. He has a way of saying, as the God of the Old Testament used to say, the Hebrews, don't play with me, Israel. Don't play with me, Babylon. Be still and know that I'm God. If you don't stop your reckless course, I'll rise up and break the backbone of your power. And that can happen to America. Every now and then I go back and read Gibbon's decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And when I come and look at America, I say to myself, the parallels are frightening. We have perverted the drum mage instinct. Every now and then, I guess we all think realistically about that day when we will be victimized with what is life's final common denominator. That's something that we call death. We all think about it, and every now and then I think about my own death, and I think about my own funeral, and I don't think of it in a morbid sense. Every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I would want said? And I leave the word to you this morning. If any of you are around, when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. And every now and then I wonder what I want them to say. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards. That's not important. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. I want you to say that day that I tried to be right on the wall question. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try to feed the hungry. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try in my life to clothe those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. I was a drum major for righteousness. And all of the other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. 
I won't have the fine and luxurious things of life to leave behind, but I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word of song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian ought, if I can bring salvation to a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Yes, Jesus, I want to be on your right or your left side, not for any selfish reason. I want to be on your right or your left side, not in terms of some political kingdom or ambition, but I just want to be there in love and in justice and in truth. Attention, Steve Harvey Nation, on this King holiday, I want to see y'all giving back today, okay? In the words of Dr. King, what are you doing for others? So just go to any of my social media sites, my Facebook page, Instagram, or tweet me. Pictures of you doing community service helping others. Please don't just make this a day off. Make it a day on, okay? We'll be right back, y'all. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Today is King Holiday, and we're celebrating. Now, do you guys remember last year when President Obama gave his farewell speech to the nation? It was an emotional, emotional speech that sought to comfort the country because a lot of Americans were on edge with the election of Mr. Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And uh, here we are a year later. Take a listen. Change only happens when ordinary people get involved and they get engaged and they come together to demand it. After eight years as your president, I still believe that. And it's not just my belief. It's the beating heart of our American idea, our bold experiment in self-government. It's the conviction that we are all created equal, endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, among them life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's the insistence that these rights, while self-evident, have never been self-executing. That we, the people, through the instrument of our democracy, can form a more perfect union. What a radical idea. The great gift that our founders gave to us. The freedom to chase our individual dreams through our sweat and toil and imagination, and the imperative to strive together as well to achieve a common good, a greater good. For 240 years, our nation's call to citizenship has given work and purpose to each new generation. It's what led patriots to choose republic over tyranny, pioneers to trek west, slaves to brave that makeshift railroad to freedom, It's what pulled immigrants and refugees across oceans in the Rio Grande. It's what pushed women to reach for the ballot. It's what powered workers to organize. It's why GIs gave their lives at Omaha Beach and Iwo Jima, Iraq and Afghanistan. And why men and women from Selma to Stonewall were prepared to give theirs as well. 
So, so that's what we mean when we say America's exceptional. Not that our nation's been flawless from the start, but that we have shown the capacity to change and make life better for those who follow. Yes, our progress has been uneven. The work of democracy has always been hard. It's always been contentious. Sometimes it's been bloody. For every two steps forward, it often feels we take one step back. But the long sweep of America has been defined by forward motion, a constant widening of our founding creed to embrace all and not just some. We weaken those ties when we define some of us as more American than others. When we write off the whole system as inevitably corrupt. And when we sit back and blame the leaders we elect without examining our own role in electing them. Oh, my God. What a great speech. We we certainly, yes. certainly Classic. miss you, President Barack Hussein Obama. We ain't had Obama. a speech since since he left, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you. We, we, we ain't had a speech. Oh, you yeah. have had some. You just ain't like them. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, Steve, she's here with our headlines. Please introduce me. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Miss Ann Tripp. Thank you very much. This is Ann Tripp with the news, everybody. President Trump continues denying to using that vulgar word for excrement and referring to Haiti, El Salvador, and Africa last week during talks about immigration reform. However, the only Democrat in the room, Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, says Trump did use it. And then he went on and we started to describe the immigration from Africa that was being protected in this uh, bipartisan measure. That's when he used these vile and vulgar comments calling the nations they come from shoals. The exact word used by the president, not more, not just once, but repeatedly. Now, some Republicans who were in the room initially said, well, we didn't hear it or we don't remember hearing it, uh, that crude remark they're saying. And now uh, one a gentleman, one Republican has changed his mind and says, oh, no, he definitely didn't say it. However, Kentucky Republican Senator Rand Paul takes the kind of a middle ground on NBC's Meet the Press. He said that doesn't mean Trump's a bigot. It just might mean it was a poor choice of words. Take the whole scenario and put different words in there. And let's say... Uh, we'd rather have people from economically prosperous countries than economically deprived countries. Or we realize that there are more problems in economically deprived countries. Therefore, there's a bigger impetus for them to want to come. And then it wouldn't have been so controversial. There still might have been some controversy, but it wouldn't have been so much. Nevertheless, here we go. Remembering the king. And the architects of our republic brought the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. They were signing a promissory note to whichever American was to fall out. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We cannot use a public toilet from Maryland around to Texas. Dawes could use the lawn of state capitals and we could not. We had the money, but could not stop at the Howard Johnson to eat. It was just legal Jim Crow laws. No, we are not satisfied, and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. He was killed in Memphis. He was killed fighting for justice. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. 
Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. 20 minutes after the hour, stay tuned to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Welcome back to the ride on this King holiday. Attention, Steve Harvey Nation, on this King holiday, I want to see y'all giving back today, okay? In the words of Dr. King, what are you doing for others? So just go to any of my social media sites, my Facebook page, Instagram, or tweet me. Pictures of you doing community service helping others. Please don't just make this a day off. Make it a day on, okay? Never would have made it. Never could have made it without you. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. And the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. Never could have made it without you. For 232 years, at each moment when that promise was in jeopardy, ordinary men and women found the courage to keep it alive. We meet at one of those defining moments. I'm wiser, I'm better, much better. I realize that I am not the likeliest candidate for this office. I don't fit the typical pedigree, but I stand before you tonight because all across America, something is stirred. What the naysayers don't understand is that this election has never been about me. And I see God working in this period in a way that men in some strange way are responding. Something is happening in our world. to do God's will, and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. We may not get there in one year or even in one term, but America, I have never been more hopeful than I am tonight that we will get there. Because I've seen it, because I've lived it, the heartache and the hope, the struggle and the progress, the times we were told that we can't, the people who pressed on with that American creed, yes we can. For the buses in Montgomery, the hoses in Birmingham, a bridge in Selma, 
and a preacher from Atlanta who told the people that we shall overcome. Yes, we can. When we come back from the break at 32 after, we're going to talk about the one and only Oprah Winfrey. Oprah. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Happy King Holiday, everyone. Earlier, we played highlights from the former President Obama's farewell speech. And this time last week, the country was going crazy about Oprah Winfrey's Golden Globe speech. Let's play some of her speech. It was greatness. I'd like to thank the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, because we all know that the press is under siege these days. But we also know that it is the insatiable dedication to uncovering the absolute truth that keeps us from turning a blind eye to corruption and to injustice. (laughs) To, To tyrants and victims and secrets and lies. As the bells toll, we commit to a life of service because Dr. King, one of my favorite quotes from him is not everybody can be famous but everybody can be great because greatness is determined by service. Well, uh, after, wasn't that speech great, though? I mean, yeah. it was. what an inspiring well, she speech. Out, yes, she she? Did. yes, she yeah. did. Yes, she did. Best speech we didn't have since Barack left. Yep. <laughs> you know what? I'm inclined you know, to the, agree with you now. The rumors have been swirling that Oprah could run for president. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll yeah. throw my full weight behind Absolutely. it if she go, mm-hmm. but I really hope she does you don't want her to. Huh? I really, you don't want her really to run, hope Steve. Oprah Gail do says that, she's intrigued by the idea. Because, you know, she's yeah. worked her life, and I think she's gotten it to a point where she should keep being relevant, mm-hmm. keep making the major contributions she's doing. All they're going to do is hate on her. Yeah. I, and I stop her from doing the right thing. That's yeah. all they're going to do. They're going to they gonna hate on this woman and she'll get up there and she will not be allowed to be effective because she's not going to run as a Republican. And they're all going to make sure that nothing she does works. Yeah, like they did President And I Obama. think, man, I don't want to see them try to do this to this woman. She's been, she's too big, too important. From where she is, she can get more done. Mm-hmm. True. But she you may get up think, in that White House. Yeah, she may think she can get it done, you know, at the White House, in the Oval mm-hmm. Office. You never know. She may feel uh-huh. a bigger calling on her life to serve. Yeah, I mean, you know? she may. Yeah. And I, like I say, I'll give her my 100% support. Right. But I yeah. really hope to God, just as a woman and a sister that didn't really put herself in a position, I wish she'd stay away from that mess, man. Because yeah. it ain't mm. nothing but mess. Politics is mess. Mm. It's bipartisan. They're never gonna change that system. That's at its best. And they 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 trifling, man. Now me, see what the president? What yeah. you talking about? Yeah, me. No, me. Would you yeah, me. You go for president? Me, I could I could go up there because you, you, you could handle it. Because yeah. I don't give a damn about being ineffective. Well, see, I go what? up there and be ineffective, but be effective in other ways. <laughs> Like all my news conferences, y'all need to be there. <laughs> oh, well, you will have news well, we conferences. We're going to need to that'll be. Good. That'll uh, be cause good. Because they're going to be interested. <laughs> I, I and I'm actually going to open up a Twitter account and participate in it if I'm president. You're going to have a POTUS account. Oh, dog. <laughs> oh, dog. I mean, it's okay to have an account, but to run your, your, you know, your presidency, presidency. 
Yeah. As a tweeter. No, it's not okay for the president to tweet. It's not okay. No, I'm it's saying. It's not going to stop him from doing it, but it's not yeah, cool. Yeah, because President Obama tweeted, you can tweet as president, but don't let that be your whole presidency. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Don't run, yeah. you know, think President that, Obama tweeted how many times? Well, I don't know, but he tweeted. I'm just saying. Well, he, he, did, he had a t- he had a, a, a Twitter account, yeah. Well, his well, that was part of how positive. he got elected, though, Steve, yeah. with the social mood, media movement. Right. He yeah. brought he, he ushered that that era he in. Actually, foreign policy. No, no, no. no. People no. names. No, all his of tweets were positive. No. Like, yeah. go here to get your health care. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Of course not. Yeah. He wasn't doing that, but yeah. Yeah. This president has taken it to a whole new level. All right. But anyway, um, Oprah will make up her mind, I guess. Uh, She definitely has the compassion uh, to be president now. Like you say, Steve, whether or not they'll let her do it, allow her to be who she is, is a whole different thing. You know, her girlfriend, her best friend, Gail, says she is intrigued by the idea. Here's another one of my favorite quotes from Dr. King. Faith is taking the first step, even if you don't see the whole staircase. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to play excerpts from Dr. King's I've Been to the Mountaintop speech. But right now, Steve, on this King holiday, can you please talk to us about the importance of mentoring and about your foundation? Let me say this. Let me me stay away from my foundation for a minute. Just talk to... Let me just talk to men out there for a second. You do not have to have a foundation to mentor. You do not have to have money to mentor. You don't have to be famous to mentor. All you have to do is be a man. I meet so many great brothers out there, man, in my lifetime who are great brothers, man, who are incredible men, who are can be, and uh, for the most part, in every way, just as good a mentor as me. Because mentoring only requires one thing. Now, well, one major thing, it just requires just a little bit of time. And in that time, if you can offer a young man some guidance and some love, you are a mentor. And you can change a person's life with that. You can change a person's life with that. All you got to do is take one young guy that you see. He could be going in the wrong direction. He could be headed in the right direction. Give him some encouragement. Tell him what you know. Because let me tell you something. When you're talking to a boy or a young man and you're a full-grown man, you best to believe he can learn something from you. Because you can tell him how to be a man. Tell him that real men go to work. Tell him that real men obey the law. Tell him that real men take care of their children. Tell him that real men are respectful of women. Tell him that real men honor God. Tell him that. Tell him that you love him. That he can do better. Tell him that you expect him to do better. Give him somebody to be accountable for. And then give him your number. And if he got any questions about girls, about other dudes, about making it, about trying, when he get, if he could just run it by another man, it could change his life. 
everybody can be a mentor. Mentor just one person. Now, if you got time for a group of boys to come by your house and you talk with them once a week, that's cool. But if you just grab one man, every man can grab one boy and change his life. Because all of us know a little cat that look like he going the wrong way. All of us know. You snatch him up and say, hey, man, let me talk to you, man. Look like you got a little potential, man. What you got going on in your life, man? What you trying to do? Oh, okay, well, you need to stay away from that little crew over there, man, because they're going to get you in trouble. Let me tell you something. Come over here when you need a little bit. You need $5? Come over here, man. Talk with me. Let me show you how we might be able to put, a, put, put, put a little plan together. That's Mentoring is important, man. Critical. That's all I'm saying. Well said. All right. That was powerful. Very good, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And, and then you're not going to mentor Tommy, though. We one, started one new and he stopped that now. This is we, a new year. The new year Tommy, I have done Tommy everything has he has said thus far. We, Tommy um, has um, not asked me to mentor him. He has not. <sighs> Tommy, you going to ask me? I asked you to mention me to some people that can <laughs> See, mentor and mentor is get two it different. <laughs> it, them just M's. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask me to mention him to some people I know. <laughs> mention him. <laughs> See, Junior, I told you, man. I know. Uh, I know. Stop, Junior. I know. You know <sighs> what, Tommy, though? Uncle, my mentor, though. I know. I know. He's been my uncle all my life. Man. Just, yeah. You ain't been beat up by him. You ain't been hit, punched in the head and in the chest. And, you know why, Tommy? And, you know why? And left and then taken down the street to get your ass whooped. There's a lot of stuff you ain't had. Yeah. I done got a lot of that. You don't understand. You know why, Tommy? I was mentioned. I'm gonna make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference. Gonna make it right. As I turn up the collar on my favorite winter coat, this wind is blowing my mind. I see your kids in the street.
Here's another one of my favorite quotes from Dr. King. Faith is taking the first step, even if you don't see the whole staircase. Please don't just make this a day off. Make it a day on, okay? You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said that life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Come together, everybody, and serve your communities. Coming up, we got some excerpts from Dr. King's I've Been to the Mountaintop speech. Let us rise up tonight with a greater readiness. In these powerful days, these days of challenge to make America what it ought to be, we have an opportunity to make America a better nation. And I want to thank God once more for allowing me to be here with you. You know, several years ago, I was in New York City autographing the first book that I had written. And while sitting there autographing books, a demented black woman came up. The only question I heard from her was, are you Martin Luther King? And I was looking down writing, and I said, yes. The next minute, I felt something beating on my chest. Before I knew it, I had been stabbed by this demented woman. I was rushed to Harlem Hospital. It was a dark Saturday afternoon. That blade had gone through, and the x-rays revealed that the tip of the blade was on the edge of 
my aorta, the main artery. And once that's punctured, you're drowned in your own blood. That's the end of you. It came out in the New York Times the next morning that if I had merely sneezed, I would have died. Well, about four days later, they allowed me, after the operation, after my chest had been opened and the blade had been taken out, to move around in the wheelchair in the hospital. They allowed me to read some of the mail that came in, and from all over the states and the world, kind letters came in. I read a few, but one of them I will never forget. I had received one from the president and the vice president. I've forgotten what those telegrams said. I'd received a visit and a letter from the governor of New York, but I've forgotten what that letter said. But there was another letter that came from a little girl, a young girl, who was a student at the White Plains High School. And I looked at that letter, and I'll never forget it. It said simply, Dear Dr. King, I am a ninth grade student at the White Plains High School. And she said, while it should not matter, I would like to mention that I'm a white girl. I read in the paper of your misfortune and of your suffering. And I read that if you had sneezed, you would have died. And I'm simply writing you to say that I'm so happy that you didn't sneeze. And I want to say tonight, I want to say tonight that I too am happy that I didn't sneeze because if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1960 when students all over the South started sitting in at lunch counters. And I knew that as they were sitting in, they were really standing up for the best in the American dream and taking the whole nation back to those great wells of democracy which were dug deep by the founding fathers in the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1961 when we decided to take a ride for freedom and ended segregation in interstate travel. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been around here in 1962 when Negroes in Albany, Georgia decided to straighten their backs up. And whenever men and women straighten their backs up, they are going somewhere because a man can't ride your back unless it is bent. If I had sneezed, if I had sneezed, I wouldn't have been here in 1963. The black people of Birmingham, Alabama, aroused the conscience of this nation and brought into being the Civil Rights Bill. If I had sneezed, I wouldn't have had a chance later that year in August to try to tell America about a dream that I had had if I had sneezed. I wouldn't have been down in Selma, Alabama to see the great movement there if I had sneezed. I wouldn't have been in Memphis to see a community rally around those brothers and sisters who are suffering. I'm so happy that I didn't sneeze. And they were telling me. Now it doesn't matter now. 
really doesn't matter what happens now. I left Atlanta this morning, and as we got started on the plane, there were six of us. The pilot said over the public address system, we are sorry for the delay. But we have Dr. Martin Luther King on the plane. And to be sure that all of the bags were checked, and to be sure that nothing would be wrong on the plane, we had to check out everything carefully. And we've had the plane protected and guarded all night. And then I got into Memphis, and some began to say the threats. I talk about the threats that were out. Uh, what would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now, because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Hey, on this King holiday, don't forget, maybe take your kids to your city's uh, King's holiday celebration, take in a parade, a youth day activities. Also, you know, you can visit the King Center. You can go to the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, uh, the Rosa Parks Museum in Montgomery, International Civil Rights uh, Museum in Greensboro. You can teach your children about the Civil Rights Movement. Tell your children about the legacy of the Civil Rights Movement. Coretta Scott King uh, wrote that uh, this holiday honors the courage of a man who endured harassment, threats, and beatings, and even bombings. And uh, we commemorate the man who went to jail 29 times to achieve freedom for others. After the third one, I'm going to go on and do something else. Uh, Steve. No, I'm just telling you me. Dr. King. But that's why, you know, three times, that's it. I'm going to find me something else to do. Crazy. Oh, oh, but, but, but all the protesting finna stop. These <laughs> <laughs> dogs and all of this. Water hose. All these dogs, water hose, <laughs> all this hill, man. And he done shot a water hose, tore my shirt off. I sit up in here, man. Oh, Button all in my mouth and stuff. I ain't got nothing come but on, your crazy. You come on. All I got is a hat band. <laughs> I can't see you. Stand up in my drawers. <laughs> He was definitely the man for yes. the job. Yes, I'm going to tell you, man, because I'm yes, just telling you real. I don't know how he did it with nonviolence, yeah, but he did it. And that's the real part right there. The nonviolence, sure, you man. could not have done that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Once you turn that water hose on me, once you aim it at somebody else, I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs>
Are you through? A lot of firemen would have got jumped on. Mm. Mm. Okay. But 29 times. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty hmm. deep. I'd have been at all the protests with one of them wrenches. <laughs> but he did it for us. He though, did. You know? He did. That's the thing. The yep. wrench with the, uh, the, for the fire hydrant. That pipe wrench. So <laughs> I'm going to cut this hydrant off. We need to stop this water. <laughs> okay, we're, this man was nonviolent. Water cutting. We're talking. <laughs> and what are you talking he about? He said cutting off water. He, he said no water. Fine. Yeah, but you know. You <laughs> well, know where he's going. Well, I cut that pipe off, yeah. I might as well sling his pipe. <laughs> he might as well use crowd. it. You know where he's going with it. Get this pipe it. wrench off up in that crowd <laughs> and put a couple knots on some people's heads. <laughs> Steve Harvey. <laughs> well, you know, you maybe just sicking dogs on me now. Huh? Run over here. Mm. <laughs> Finish. You were saying he went to jail 29 times. To achieve freedom. For others. <laughs> for others. <laughs> others who knew that he would pay the ultimate price for his leadership. But he kept on marching. He kept on protesting. He kept on organizing anyway. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. holiday is not only for celebration and rem- remembrance and education and tribute. But above all, it's a day of service. It is a day of service mm-hmm. all across America on this holiday. His followers perform service in hospitals and shelters and prisons and wherever people need some help. And that's everywhere these days. It is a day of volunteering, mentoring at-risk youngsters, which you do, Steve, and uh, more. More inspirational music. Here's another one of my favorite quotes from Dr. King. Faith is taking the first step, even if you don't see the whole step.
Martin Luther King National Holiday. Yes. In recognition of one of the greatest leaders of our time in American history. Yeah. I personally can think of no person for me personally who has had a greater impact on my life as a man outside of my father and the way he raised me than Martin Luther King. Mm. I think his contribution to this country is one of the greatest contributions made by a man in American fabric, the fiber of this country. I think Martin Luther King had more to do to shape it to date than anyone in my lifetime, I should Mm -hmm. say, I think. What a man. Profound mm-hmm. state, what a yeah. man. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, for me, I don't yeah. know anyone who's made a more major contribution in the way America is today than Martin Luther King. That's to take nothing away from no one else. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. All right, Steve, you know, we have to talk openly with our children about race, about ethnicity, about religion and bigotry. Uh have you dealt with that? I mean, I, I'm sure you have. but Have um, I dealt with yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> with your children. I mean, you know, talking to them about it at a young age. I mean, you know, I had a couple of incidents that, that has happened, you know, about mm-hmm. race. I try to, my kids grew up very, very different from me. So they've afforded, a, were afforded a different lifestyle than I had. So my none of my kids grew up in the hood. My kids have been fortunate enough to live in totally different environments than I grew up in. So they've I've always encouraged my kids to accept people for who they were as long as they accept you for who you are. I'm a realist when I talk to my kids about racism. If somebody got a problem with you because of the color of your skin, mm-hmm. I said, you're going to know it. Amen. And then you have to deal with it accordingly. You know, everybody not going, all people are not good people. There's just some bad people out there. But when you run into them, you have to have an assurance. You have to have a confidence level, uh, a certain amount of self-esteem about yourself. Don't let nobody make you try to feel less than simply because of the color of your skin. That's not going to happen. And I've given them my full permission to address it. I'm probably not the best parent to talk about racism with your kids because I've had to deal with it on some very blatant levels, being 60 years old, Mm -hmm. you know, and in two days be 61. You know, I've seen it from some really dark angles, man. And so I've just always had my kids in a position where they they deal with it if if they see it, you know, if they're confronted with it, mm-hmm. deal with it. Mm-hmm. Be courageous about it. Don't put yourself in a life-threatening situation about it, but be courageous about it. But my kids are, are open to people. You know, they accept people for who they are. They don't have uh, hang-ups when it comes to race, you know. Right, right. Um, my son's wife is uh, from it, has uh, biracial parents. My son's wife has biracial parents. And, you know, we all eat. We all celebrate holidays. We don't have a problem with that. I'm, it's very simple to me. If you cool to me, I'm cool with you. That's it. I don't, I don't do good with people who, who don't. Uh, I, I don't do good with racism. I just don't. I'm, I'm not the best person to talk about it. 
Because if you extend it to me, I hate to say this, but I give it back to you. Full fledged. Yeah. Well, okay. This probably is King ain't the best Day. thing to say. Yeah, on this is King Day, Day guys. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's let's let's. I wish uh, Jay shift was to, here so we could ask him about them white folks. He, I, let's I shift it a little bit, uh, Carla. You and your daughter Tasha. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to say happy birthday to Tasha, too, by the way. She's born on the same day as Steve. Yep, Tasha is Wednesday. your goddaughter, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, she's yeah. going to be 10 years old this Wednesday. Now, you guys did a community project together. You asked kids what uh, Dr. King means to them and what can we do to help uh, help keep Dr. King's dream alive. Take a listen. This is your girl, Carla Farrell, and I am here with my daughter, Tasha Farrell. And on this King holiday, we're doing a community service project, and I wanted to talk to Tasha about King holiday, the importance of Dr. King's legacy, and why is this day so important? So, Tasha, tell me, why is King holiday, Martin Luther King Day, so important? And tell me what you've learned about Dr. King's legacy. Dr. King was important because of his speeches he was trying to send a message that don't judge someone of their religion or how they look or their skin color and judge them and how they behave to anyone or you like and behavior i mean mean or nice and so and when he sends that message you should think oh let's be nice to one another and let's not think about how we look Hi, my name is Salome, and I'm in fifth grade. I think Dr. K wanted wanted equality for all all races. Hello, my name is Carly, and Martin Luther King is important to me because I wouldn't be able to go to my school or be in student council at my school if it wasn't for him. And I wouldn't be able to have such a large option of friends to have. So I just thank Martin Luther King for for having that dream and making all of those speeches and leading all of those walks. Hi, my name is Sasha and I'm in high school. What I think Dr. King's dream meant to me, it means that he wanted to be respected even though people didn't like him or like his color. He just wanted to be respected and he wanted all the colors to unite. So that was really good. You know, the kids, some of Tasha's friends, they were from all races, all background. These kids at this age, you know, she'll be 10, like you said, on Wednesday. They don't see color like that. You know, racism is taught. Yeah, we don't, know, we didn't it, either at that age. Right. Yeah. And, and they all play together. They all want to be together. They're all mm-hmm. friends. And they don't, they don't care. They don't care yeah. what color you are. They don't even say black, Carla. They say brown. My son says brown. You know, they don't. Yeah, Tasha went through that phase, too, where she said brown. She understands now, because she's older, that her race is black or, or African-American. All but right, uh, we have a little cute mm-hmm. dog, and our dog was given to us by one of her friends, and who happens to be white. The grandmother gave us a dog. We're just, I just love how these children are at, at this age where... They, they teach me things, you know, listening to them talk. So you, mm-hmm. you guys heard some of it. So it's a good thing. Yeah. We, I still you think know what? that we I have I know to... people have a tendency to say mm-hmm. it has a long way to go, and it does. Mm-hmm. But you best to believe it's gotten better. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Uh, Are there still yeah. a huge amount of remnants? Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody's blind to that. But, oh, my goodness, it's better than it yeah. used to be. And I could see improvement even amongst my kids. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. where it's not allowed to be so pervasive. 
Mm-hmm. I think racism will be with us until the end of time. But I hate to hear that, but I do. Probably true. Yeah. Now, the sad thing about it is, is because of this presidency, it has racism has reared its ugly head and kind of felt like a little bit better about doing it, seems like. And that's a scary place to be. Yes, it is. And we'll be back right after this on this King Day. Attention, Steve Harvey Nation. On this King holiday, I want to see y'all giving back today, okay? In the words of Dr. King, what are you doing for others? So just go to any of my social media sites, my Facebook page, Instagram, or tweet me. Pictures of you doing community service helping others. Please don't just make this a day off. Make it a day on, okay? You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Coming up, we're going to play some excerpts from Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. I am happy to join with you today in what will go down in history as the greatest demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity. 100 years later, the Negro is still languished in the corners of American society and finds himself in exile in his own land. And so we've come here today to dramatize a shameful condition In a sense, we've come to our nation's capital to cash a check. When the architects of our republic wrote the magnificent words of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, they were signing a promissory note to which every American was to fall heir. This note was a promise that all men, yes, black men as well as white men, would be guaranteed the unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It is obvious today that America has defaulted on this promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given the Negro people a bad check, a check which has come back marked insufficient funds. 
But we refuse to believe that the bank of justice is bankrupt. We refuse to believe that there are insufficient funds in the great vaults of opportunity of this nation. And so we've come to cash this check, a check that will give us upon demand the riches of freedom and the security of justice. to this hallowed spot to remind America of the fierce urgency of now. This is no time to engage in the luxury of cooling off or to take the tranquilizing drug of gradualism. Now is the time to make real the promises of democracy. Now is the time to rise from the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial justice. Now is the time. From the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood, now is the time. It would be fatal for the nation to overlook the urgency of the moment. This sweltering summit of the Negro's legitimate discontent will not pass until that is an invigorating autumn of freedom and equality. 1963 is not an end, but a beginning. Those who hope that the Negro needed to blow off steam and will now be content, will have a rude awakening if the nation returns to business as usual. There will be neither rest nor tranquility in America until the Negro is granted his citizenship rights. The whirlwinds of revolt will continue to shake the foundations of our nation until the bright day of justice emerges. But that is something that I must say to my people who stand on the warm threshold which leads into the palace of justice. In the process of gaining our rightful place, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. We must not allow our creative protest to degenerate into physical violence. Again and again, we must rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force. And the marvelous new militancy which has engulfed the Negro community must not lead us to a distrust of all white people. For many of our white brothers, as evidenced by their presence here today, have come to realize that their destiny is tied up with our destiny.
Attention, Steve Harvey Nation. On this King holiday, I want to see y'all giving back today, okay? In the words of Dr. King, what are you doing for others? So just go to any of my social media sites, my Facebook page, Instagram, or tweet me. Pictures of you doing community service helping others. Please don't just make this a day off. Make it a day on, okay? When we come back, we got more Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Right now, as promised, uh, we're going to play some of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, which he delivered on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial back in 1963, calling for an end to racism in the United States. They have come to realize that their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. We cannot walk alone. And as we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights, when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as the Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. We can never be satisfied. As long as our body is heavy with the fatigue of travel, cannot gain lodging in the motels of the highways and the hotels of the cities. We cannot be satisfied as long as the Negro's basic mobility is from a smaller ghetto to a larger one. We can never be satisfied as long as our children are stripped of their selfhood and robbed of their dignity for whites only. satisfied as long as a Negro in Mississippi cannot vote and a Negro in New York believes he has nothing for which to vote. No, no, we are not satisfied and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. I am not unmindful that some of you have come here out of great trials and tribulations. Some of you have come fresh from narrow jail cells. Some of you have come from areas where your quest for freedom left you battered by the storms of persecution and staggered by the winds of police brutality. You have been the veterans of creative suffering. Continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. Go back to Mississippi. Go back to Alabama. Go back to South Carolina. Go back to Georgia. Go back to Louisiana. Go back to the slums and ghettos of our northern cities. Knowing that somehow this situation can and will be changed. Let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friend, so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. 
It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. We'll be back. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Right now, as promised, uh, we're going to play some of Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, which he delivered on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial back in 1963, calling for an end to racism in the United States. Down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is a faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. This will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, 
Let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Attention, Steve Harvey Nation, on this King holiday, I want to see y'all giving back today, okay? In the words of Dr. King, what are you doing for others? So just go to any of my social media sites, my Facebook page, Instagram, or tweet me. Pictures of you doing community service helping others. Please don't just make this a day off. Make it a day on, okay? You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. All right, here we are with the last break of the day. Just one more thing. Steve, so happy that you brought back the closing remarks. I mean, they were always powerful, but we just need them so much in this time right now. So thank you for that. You know, uh, the other day on the show, I was asking uh, Ernie Hudson. I have this thing on the show called uh, Uncensored Rapid Fire Questions. Mm -hmm. And I asked Ernie Hudson, if you could have dinner with any celebrity living or deceased, who would it be? And Ernie Hudson says, Sidney Poitier, because he's an actor, and Ernie Hudson's an actor. It's sort of funny. So we were talking off the air, and he asked me, who would I want to have dinner with? And it's two people, man, that I said I wish I could sit and have dinner with. And it was Richard Pryor and Martin Luther King. But I was kind of tossed up because I really want to sit down and have dinner with Muhammad Ali. So it's it's almost a three-way affair for me. It's almost even. These were three people who had a major impact on my life as a black man and as a career. I mean, Richard Pryor, man, when I saw him, the first time I saw him, I said, that's that's what I'm going to be. Now, Muhammad Ali, I knew him before I knew anything of Richard Pryor. Muhammad Ali was the first person that ever, ever made me think I could be great. And even though I don't consider myself great, at least he put it inside of me and made me think I could be great and made me want to start working my tail off to achieve some form of greatness. But even before those two, Martin Luther King had put an impression on me as a boy that has shaped and molded me even to this day. I remember 
in school, in elementary school when he was killed. And the teacher made us watch his funeral on TV. And that casket, that mule-drawn casket was being pulled up the street. And I was looking at my teacher. She was just crying. And I was so not understanding why this happened. Because she used to play the speeches for us, the I have a dream and all of that. And I could not understand for the life of me as a boy why they would kill Martin Luther King. I, I, I heard my father say in anger one time after Martin Luther King got killed, he said, boy, we're in a world of trouble. Them white folks just don't want to have nothing to do with her. That impacted me, man. It impacted me. Because I really, really thought for so many years that white people really didn't want to have nothing to do with black people. And as I got a little bit older and I was listening back to his speeches because I used to play them in my car when I was homeless. You know, I used to play a lot of Martin Luther King tapes. You could buy them at truck stops and stuff. Just cassette tapes. I was listening to him and his message of peace and love and struggle and what was right and human dignity. It started reshaping me and I began to think, I said, okay. This can't be, he can't be talking about all of us and all. It's just a few people that don't want this to work. And so that started reshaping me also. He was so impactful with what he said to us as a people that how in the world has this black man with his message of love and submission and strength caused so many changes in laws affirmative action, so many things of that nature. It caused a lot of people to view us differently. When Bull Connors turned those fire hoses on us in Birmingham, Alabama, it it made America see what America really was. And America had to change a little bit. You know what I mean? And we still got a long way to go. But I look back at Martin Luther King and all he stood for and what he did. He's just one of the greatest people of my time. Now, you may have a different opinion, but this is just mine. He was one of the greatest human beings of my time. I don't, I don't know anybody that's made a bigger contribution to this world than him. The world that I live in, that I see. I don't know a black person that made a larger contribution. I don't know a white person. I don't know a person that's made a larger contribution that was human. I just don't. And that's just my opinion. It's a powerful. So when they asked me who I wanted to have dinner with, if I could sit down with them three people right there, Muhammad Ali, Richard Pryor, and Martin Luther King, yeah, that's pretty much me. I would like to think of myself as a combination of those three people. My career was patterned after Richard Pryor. I just wanted to be funny. Nobody will ever be Richard Pryor funny, but you know what I mean? That's what I wanted to be. I try to be a decent person, as was Martin Luther King. I try to help and inspire people. But I got a lot of dog in me, too. A lot of fight. Got a lot of defiance in me. I got a lot of strength and a lot of courage to stand up and say what I... Sometimes I do stuff that ain't so popular. I say stuff that ain't so popular. 
And that's a little bit of Ali. So those three people right there, they shaped me. Along with the greatest man I've ever known, the incredible Jesse Slick Harvey. Man, thank you, Daddy, for being a piece of all of them, too, with your bad black self. So on Martin Luther King Day, I'm just proud to be a black man. I am. And that's pretty good, too. Just hope you can understand that's just some personal feelings of mine. You don't have to agree with it. Y'all have yourself a great weekend. Uh, it's uh, Tuesday. It's Monday. it's Monday. For all Steve Harvey contests, no purchase necessary, void where prohibited. Participants must be legal U.S. residents at least 18 years old, unless otherwise stated. For complete contest rules, visit SteveHarvey.com. You're listening to the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, already know. a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangster Rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and in the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 